It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today on Doing Good, I am so excited to welcome Jeanette Bennett. So if you've been living under a rock and don't know about Jeanette Bennett, let me just give you the rundown on how amazing this woman is. So she is a mother, a magazine publisher, a speaker, and a community leader. She started Utah Valley Magazine in 2000. And for two decades has been featuring entrepreneurs, athletes, politicians, high schoolers, teachers, parents, lookalikes, and do-gooders. She has had a front row seat to the state's economic boom with her second publication, Utah Valley Business Q. She sat in thousands of offices and homes as she's heard success stories and learned about lessons and, and, and lessons learned. 13 years ago, she started the UV50 to identify Utah Valley's top 50 businesses and celebrated these 50 businesses, both in print and in person, with an accompanying gala, which is so awesome. She's been in public service for 20 years on the boards of several nonprofits and is currently the chair of Utah Philanthropy Day 2021. She also sits on the board for United Way of Utah County, the UVU Foundation Board, and Roots of Humanity, and has served on the boards of Silicon Slopes, Thanksgiving Point, and Better Days 2020. Jeanette said that she has a love-hate relationship with half marathons, which I am right there with you. <laughs> I always sign up because I'm so excited. I'm like, this is going to get me motivated. I love it. And then as I'm running, I'm like, but I hate running. I forgot that I actually really hate it. <laughs> and then I finish the race and I'm like, oh, but I love it. I actually really love it. So yeah. now anyway. you're so proud and on a runner's high. Yeah. Exactly. You're so proud and you're on a runner's high and all that kind of stuff, but for sure. And I would say, Jeanette, probably the thing you are most proud about is, is your husband, Matt, and your five children who live with you in Pleasant Grove. Yes. And two of them got married recently. So I'm now a mother-in-law. Now you're a mother-in-law. How is that? Are boys or girls got married? So I had a boy and a girl get married. So I have a daughter-in-law okay. and a son-in-law. And honestly, it's awesome. They married oh. cool people and it's fun to have a bigger family now. So it's been a fun transition. I can't wait for that. I have four boys and I'm so excited to have daughters someday. But I told them, I said, I get to pick my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to have any. I'm, I believe in arranged marriages, so I'm gonna pick. So far, they like my picks, but we'll see when they're actually. You know, they're only 13 and 10 right now, so we'll see when they're actually a little bit older if they like my picks. Yeah, now they might have an issue, but they yeah. might. They might have an issue. So, Jeanette, you have. We've been the Herbert family. We've known you for years, and you've been good friends of of my sister in laws and and my brother in laws. And you grew up in Utah County, is that right? So I grew up in Idaho, but then I came oh, to Utah County to go to BYU. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up in second Provo in Idaho. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I claim both states. I'm still a proud Idahoan, even though I haven't lived there in a really long time. But Utah is home and, you know, I plan to be here the rest of my life. But oh. Idaho, it has great people, great potatoes, great, great everything. I, I loved growing up there. It was a really awesome life. It's our sister state for sure. I have lots of friends that live in Idaho and I do. I feel like they're, we're really similar, like different in some ways, but also similar in a lot of ways, just like people vibey wise. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. So I, I was in southeastern Idaho, which is just north of Utah. And it's almost like Utah could just carve that part into yeah. the state because it, it is really similar. A lot of the same stores and similar culture in a way, but but a less busy, less competitive, more farmy way, maybe. Oh, that just sounds dreamy. Less it busy, less competitive, was. more farmy. That sounds like the dream life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you grew up as a child in Idaho and then grew up as a young adult at BYU in Utah County. So tell me a little bit about what your life was like growing up. Were you always entrepreneurial? Did you always think, I'm going to do something big someday? I want to own a business. I want to be in the spotlight. I want to serve my community. What were you like as a child? So I was a studious uh, observer, quiet, I would say. My teacher sometimes would say I was shy, and I always thought that was an insult. I didn't like that. Um, and I did not see myself as being an entrepreneur. I did see the journalism part of it. I loved writing. I had a little newsletter. My, my older sister played school, and she became a teacher. And I would play journalist, and I had this little thing called the Jeanette Gazette, like this pretend Oh, that's so cute. That I would make. <laughs> And, um, and then my first job was at the local TV station. And I love that job to this day. In some ways, it was my favorite job. Is, that, I, what got, is that what got you excited about like broadcast journalism and, and doing it publicly? Yes, yes, like the broadcast piece, working there actually made me realize it was a hard life for women. And it so is. I went more print after that. Uh, but I always just love telling the story and and interviewing people and then figuring out a way to how to share that with other people so that other people could see how cool this person was. And yes, and so that part was is part of my innate soul. Uh, the entrepreneurial side came later. It came after I had my first baby, who will be 24 next month. And um, I was working at the Deseret News when I had him. I had worked at the New Era before that, too. And I, I mean, I worked until I like went into labor with him. And I thought I would go back. And then as soon as I had him, I was like, I can't go back. Work from home wasn't a thing then, you know, that it was, yeah. it was so much harder. Yes. And cell phones weren't a thing. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but like we didn't use yeah. GPS and such. And, and so working meant going downtown for 10 or 11 hours a day and working at this job that I loved, yeah. but I chose not to go back once I had him. And that's when my entrepreneurial wheels started turning because I was like, okay, I love journalism. I love writing. What could I do where I could be kind of the captain of my own ship? And I had minored in business when I was at BYU. So I had taken a lot of business classes because I thought I would write about business. I thought I would write for Forbes or write for Inc and celebrate all the other businesses. And, um, and then it wasn't until I was a mom, I'm like, wait, like I could start a business. That thought really honestly had never crossed my mind. I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. My dad's a school teacher and my aunts and uncles, there really weren't entrepreneurs on my family tree. And so it didn't seem like the likely path, but it seemed like the obvious path once I became a mom, which was interesting because I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, and once you knew that you weren't going back into work, did you still know you wanted to work? You still knew that you wanted, like you said, well, now I'm going to do my own thing. So the, that bug of, I still want to create and do things hadn't gone away. You just didn't want right. to do it for someone else. Yes, exactly. So I still felt like this burning desire to work. And I had just finished my master's degree and had some cool work experience and, and really liked working. And so I always, I've always been this person that's like, how can I fit everything in? I want to be on, you know, all these clubs in high school and I want to have a job and I want to do this. And, 
And that's how I approached motherhood too. I'm like, okay, I want to be a really good mom, but what could I fit in here? What could I fit in there? And so I knew I would work somehow. And like, I was, I even considered taking a paper route. Like I looked into that for a minute because I'm like, I've got to do something. I got to do something to keep my mind going and earn some money. And you know, the, you could sleep in the car while I did the paper. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> but I did look into it. And, uh, and yeah, and I just was trying to decide what could I do? And then we started off with, with some small things. I, I made a little newsletter about Bennett Communications, this name of the company that I invented at that moment, which still continues on. And I sent a newsletter to everyone that I knew that kind of owned a business, which was about 25 people and said, Bennett Communications is available for all of your needs. And, and I got three little jobs out of that, things that people wanted me to make a newsletter for them or design an ad or things. And then from there, we started a newsletter for journalism students. And then we started Utah Valley Magazine in 2000. So it was kind of a natural evolution at the time that just I didn't see coming and I just kept moving my feet and walking through doors that opened and, uh, and then all along, and then it got really busy when things started taking off. And then it was like, okay, I started this so I could be a good mom. So I've got to kind of keep that, that yin and yang in yeah. balance. Which is so hard to do as a mom. And it's, and it's hard when you have a desire to create and to do something and to be successful and have something that you're proud of, but also be with your kids and spend time with your kids and be excited for their things. I always feel like if the house is a disaster, then I've, I've been working all day. Like I've been, you know, doing something, but if the house is really clean, the kids are happy, then I've completely neglected my work, but I've been a really good mom, but I can't, I usually can't have the clean house, the happy mm -hmm. kids that are all caught up on their homework and have caught up on everything that I'm doing with my work either. And it's, that's something I've, really struggled with is that yin and yang and that balance. So was it? And sometimes that clean house, if you're focused on a clean house, that doesn't necessarily mean you had a really fun day with your kids. True. Sometimes you've just been still neglecting them and just yeah. cleaning. Or, or nagging at them to help you. Or <laughs> nagging at them. Exactly. Yeah. So I know. figure that out. My mom once said to me, like, look at your house as a factory, not a museum. Like you're you're creating kids, you're raising kids. This isn't a museum. Like no that one is a fantastic quote, a factory. And, yeah. It's a working factory, a working factory of humans. <laughs> I love that so much. And it's true. And really we probably, I mean, we have a lot of roles, but really homemaking motherhood are two separate, two separate things, even like, you know, keeping up a home and cooking and cleaning, and then actually sitting down and spending time with your kids. Did your kids, did you find that they, that they learned a lot from watching their mom accomplish things and, and, and go for her dreams and do something big. Did they ever resent you? Were they ever bugged? Like you have to go into work again. No. And get mad at you. How have you been able to balance that relationship? There've definitely been some times along the way where they've given me different signals. Uh, when they were little, they would come close my laptop, you know, when I'd be on the couch and be like, <laughs> You're okay, message received. Or, you know, one time my, my little guy threw a golf ball at my laptop. It's like, okay, oh. we're going to stop. We're going to play again. Yeah. And then one time my, my, it's the same son who threw the golf ball. He said, mom, I love it when your hair is in a ponytail. Cause it means you're not going anywhere. Oh, cause he associated you getting ready with going yeah. somewhere. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so there were definitely, you know, those moments that were hard and I tried to pay attention yeah. to, to that. All yeah. my babies, none of them would take a bottle. So I nursed for a year for, so during those years, it was like, okay, 
I am glued to this baby and this house. Yes. And, yes. And it was really a gift. And I saw it as that, as, as like, this is an opportunity to really slow down, which is hard for me to do. And I might not do it, you know, if it was my choice. Uh, so that was, those were really good days and calm days and in a lot of ways. Uh, but the kids have come, I mean, I, I'm lucky because I own the business. I, I create my own life. I create my own schedule. And so when they were little, a lot of them took naps here. If, if they were good nappers, I kind of get in a routine and they've, they've taken nap here. Of course, I can I can come and go as I please, but there's just a lot of work to do. Yes. And so, um, you know, I've tried to mix it up as much as I can, bring work home, bring kids to work. And then at times I've really needed like that, that combo works. And then at other times I'm like, no, I actually need to, I want to be at work when I'm working, when I'm at home, I want to, I just want to be at home. Yes. And, yes. and so at times I had to stop mixing it so much and yeah. just really like focus on home when I was home instead of looking at my texts as they came in or whatever. So, yeah. So, and I felt like it wasn't like I decided one time how it was going to be. I kept redeciding as the kids got older, had different needs, started school. I have five kids and they're pretty spread out. So as they came, different situations called for different solutions. And yeah. at, times I, at times I had um, some part-time help at home, you know, with the kids. And so I just kind of did what I felt was good at the time. And then I could kind of feel it when I was off balance and I would make a switch, whether I was too work focused or you know, maybe need to make a switch at home. And so I tried to be thoughtful. I'm sure I didn't do it perfectly. And I, I still yesterday, yesterday, <laughs> I cried because one of my friends said, I wish I could see my kids as toddlers one more time. And I oh. just like, hit me so hard. I'm like, so do I, is a lot of those toddler years where they were busy with church and with, yes. work and with, the family, you know, and yes, and I'm like, did I really stop and just look at them and slowly just take in the moment? You know, that was that was hard at times to do with all of the pressures and all of the kids and yes. church house and everything else. And so, anyway, but I do feel I mean, I have great kids and they've been great. And this last year, I I had a crazy little idea and I ran for a state senate seat, um, which I didn't end up winning, but I'm so glad that I ran. And my son, he's a senior right now. He sent me a text in the middle of it. And he said, mom, watching you do this is really inspiring to me because you're doing something new and I didn't end up winning. He's like, and, and you didn't win. You're not, you know, you didn't win, but it showed me that I can try. I can try. Oh my if, gosh. If I don't make it. It's okay. But I like loved watching you try, you know, and that was really meaningful text to me. You know, oh, I, yeah. I some of those lessons and. And as my kids have gotten older, they've wanted more of my help. They've appreciated that I can help them edit their college essays. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the things. And so I think that I think for the most part, it's been a positive thing. Has it been hard? Yeah. You know, I feel like I probably made more sacrifices than they did along the way, if I'm going to be honest, in terms of sleep and in terms of like putting my hobbies, you know, away and stuff. Because I really did try to beat all their games and all their everything. Yes. You know. As moms do, we try to we, we do anything for our kids, right. no matter what we're doing in life. We do mm -hmm. anything for them. Um, I think that is which, by the way, I'm just going to go on record and say that you should have won, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I think that that is such an incredible life lesson to learn that even when you don't, that you can still try. Like, aren't you glad you tried? That's what I've so I've been trying glad. to teach that to my boys. Like. 
yeah, but what if I don't make it? And I'm like, do you know how many plays? So yes, I was on American Idol. Mm -hmm. Before that, I did not make one single play I tried out for, not one. But well, I, I, I was in the choir. I was like in the background, like I was the dancer or I was in the chorus or I was like in the children's choir. I never made one lead that I tried out for ever. And then American Idol came around, but I didn't win that either. I mean, I made it, I didn't win it, but but I learned so much from not making that and and i was so glad every time like i'm glad i tried because then i didn't have to wonder it wasn't that what would have happened if i would have and then there was that you know the one time where i tried and then it it did work out so i think it's so great for our kids to see us succeed and not fail but learn my mom would say like you you either win or you learn instead of you win or you lose you win or you learn and and i think that it's yeah it's so great for our kids to see us even as like invincible adults you know that we don't always get what we want or what we work really hard for either and mm-hmm. and what's our attitude like after that what that must must have just been like the proudest mom moment like oh my boy's learning something like look at him like he's taking the right lessons away from this and and to and to send you that text and and tell you like Oh, that must have just been so rewarding for you to get that. It really, it really was. And I'm glad that I ran for a million reasons because I did learn. And, um, and I might run again someday if the opportunity should. was right and the timing was right. But that was one of the reasons that I'm like, okay, I, I ran for a number of reasons. And one of them, you know, maybe was for my son. And also, I think, I think some of the anxiety that our youth feel and also that we feel as adults is fear of failure. Like we don't know how it's going to turn out. So we feel anxious about how that's going to go. And then that didn't work out. And hopefully I modeled, Hey, life goes on. Let's go to the movies. Let's go go on a walk. You know, then I think that hopefully that modeled, okay, well, it's not just like you get it right or you hide under a rock because it's so embarrassing. Like you can still hold your head high. And to be honest, that loss, I thought that losing, I would lose confidence but I actually feel like I came away with more confidence because I, I articulated and over time, over the period of the race, which it was a short race, it was only three weeks, but I yeah. had to talk through so many issues and I gained a real understanding of the issues. And so by that last phone call to the delegate, instead of the first, I could more articulately talk about taxes and, and, you know, education and yeah. mandates and all the things that I knew that they had come to want to discuss. Yeah. And I walked away with it thinking, you know, I actually feel like I've worked through my opinions and and I can appreciate all sides of the issue. But this is what I think. And so it really was a confidence boosting thing. And also that life went on. And, and as I was around the community the next few weeks, you know, maybe people would be embarrassed and be like, oh, no one's going to want to talk to me because she lost. It's awkward. But no, it actually gave us something cool to talk about. You know? Oh, and that's awesome. And I made it okay. You know, I, I didn't like act like I was embarrassed. It was like, that was such a good experience for me. You know, yes. I the process so much better now and, and all of the things that came from it. Yeah. Well, that's just so my father in law was Governor Herbert and watching him go through so many elections and he went through a lot because governor huntsman was called up to be the you know ambassador to china halfway through and so he stepped in his role and then he had to do a special election and so we went through that process so many times but he ran for governor not a lot of people know that he ran for governor before and numbers were not looking good that he would win and that's when huntsman said hey why don't you run with me and be my lieutenant governor so people don't don't know that a lot of people 
don't make it the first time or they don't, you know, it, it takes a lot of time sometimes to get or, or to figure out, like you said, well, let me learn about all the issues. And now what do I believe instead of you should take a stance on this and you should take a stance on that and listening to what everyone else says. And now you probably like, well, now I can actually confidently say for myself, actually, this is what I think and what I know and what I believe. And the next time that you do, it'll, you'll be even that much more confident and you'll, you kind of understand the campaign process. And I'm sure you're like, I have just this wealth of knowledge now and, 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 you know, expanding just another part of yourself politically. Like you're just now developing just another part of yourself and becoming just even more incredible and well-rounded. Like there's nothing, I, I try to tell my boys, like there's, there's nothing wrong with going every experience that you have in life will help you with any other experience you have. And I love Chip and Joanna Gaines so much. And I love Fixer Upper and all that, but I read his book and um, I can't even remember what it's called now, but I read it. And he said he wanted to be a professional baseball player and he would sleep with his baseball mitt under his bed. He was amazing. That's all he wanted to do. That's all his dad wanted him to do his whole life. And I mean, he was set to go. I mean, he really thought he was going to play major league baseball and um he was cut i think in college and he said it was so devastating because it was that's the only thing i really developed like it was baseball and then i realized oh my gosh but what has baseball taught me to get up early to work hard to not give up to work with people to read situations i was athletic and he's like so i took all the baseball stuff and put it into entrepreneurship you know fixing homes and, and working with people and making my own business and starting. So he said, none of that knowledge went to waste. It wasn't like, well, too bad. That's all you did. Now that knowledge has gone to pots. It's like, no, I took all that knowledge and then used it in just this different aspect of my life. I'm like, that is such a cool way of thinking about it. That is really cool. I haven't read his book, but that makes me want to read it. But now I completely I agree with his philosophy. And, and yeah. honestly, I feel that way about motherhood. So a lot of... Yes. I'm, I'm 46 and I've had a career, you know, all along, but a lot of women my age, I have this conversation with them where they're like, oh, my kids are in school or moving out and I, I want to do something, but I have no skills. Okay. That's what, how, that's how they feel. But motherhood gives you such a skill set, like you were just saying with baseball, that if you want to do something, if you want to help with a nonprofit or volunteer here or work here or start this business, you have skills. You True. have skills, you have a skill yes. set. It's just what you want to do with it and what you want to do with your time. But um, I, I totally agree that skill sets, we take them with us. I think even working at fast food, which I never did, but I, you know, when I've encouraged my kids to take jobs like that through high school as they come along, yes. I, I think you learn so much. You learn how to deal with angry customers who yes. didn't want mustard on the hamburger and you got to yes. fix it and, and, you know, dealing with the stress of, there's not enough time for all the work you need to do or, you know, yep. prioritizing tasks. There's a lot of things you can learn in fast food or really totally. any experience in life. Totally. I was a fast food worker. I worked at Nielsen's frozen custard. I was a scoopy oh, nice. and same okay. thing. Like I got orders wrong or one of them found a hair in his cup and one of them, you know, like the cash register wasn't working. So we had to do math, <laughs> which I'm not good at at all in our heads and all those things. And so, and being to work on time, dealing with your boss, it's like, Hey, you didn't clean up last night and you did this and awesome. I honestly still think about that job a lot and all the life lessons that I learned with working at Nielsen's frozen custard. And it was just, we got free custard when we worked. So yeah. 
That's an so iconic good. place. That's cool. <laughs> oh, it was so awesome. I may have gained some weight, but it was every pound was worth it. It was totally so good. Um, so Jeanette, with Utah Valley Magazine, was there ever a time where you thought maybe when you were first starting out or maybe after you had, you know, you've, it's been 21 years mm-hmm. since you've started, was there ever a time where you thought, I don't know if this is really going the way I thought, or maybe, maybe this isn't going to be successful or who's really going to read this? How did you overcome those self-doubts with putting it out? And, and how do you still overcome them if you're like, is this still what people need? Am I still giving people what they want? Is this still something that's relevant? How do you overcome those self-doubts? So early on, I mean, no one had heard of us. Even getting someone to answer the phone or return a phone call or get a, take an interview with me was difficult because they hadn't heard of us and I was a nobody. And so I did have those feelings of like, oh, is this is this going to work? But I also had some overpowering optimism <laughs> that it was going to work. And um, like when our first issue came out, it was so exciting. We had sold our home. We built a little starter home and I had two babies. And uh, we sold the home to print the first issue. We needed that money to print it. So we moved into a tiny apartment again. No. And, and then the issue came out and our emails went down. And I just remember feeling like, I'm sure everyone's getting the magazine and emailing me, you know, and I'm not yeah. getting their emails. Probably yeah. no one was emailing me. But I just, I had a feeling like it was going to work. And I felt divinely led in some ways that doors were opening and when we needed to sell our house, it sold the first day. And there were just so many things that really went our way. And that as I prayed about it, I felt good about it. And I felt that it was part of my divine mission to be a communicator. And so I always really felt good about that. I, I don't think I've spent very many minutes worrying it wasn't going to work. I've spent way more minutes worrying how to balance everything and and what if i'm not giving enough to my employees and my kids and that's that's where it's been hard and when i had my third and fourth they're 20 months apart and my oldest was seven when i had the fourth so four little kids and those two babies right together that was pretty tough and honestly if it had been a job i would have i would have gone to the boss and say i need i need at least six months off i don't know he probably can't hold my job but but because it's a business that I own, employees depending on me, you can't quit. Who am I going to quit to? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I just tried to adjust and hire people to help and all of that. Um, but that was that period of time was pretty crazy. And then I got called to be young women president oh. when that fourth baby was a baby. No. So so that added that to the mix. But that actually was really fun. And I think I, I was blessed from above and honestly felt like wrinkles of time at times that I was able to get more done than should have been able to get done in that amount of time. So yeah. that was actually really cool. But yeah, it's been that's been the hardest thing is just feeling like I could keep three of me busy. You know, I I could have one that's just the mom and then I could have one that's just the entrepreneur and I could have one that's just kind of the community leader and activist. Yes. The nonprofit world and political things and UVU and the other things that I care about. So then it's just figuring out what can I do today? What can I do this week? Who can help me? What can I let go of? One time I did that, I was like, okay, what could I like let go of? Because there's too much on my plate. And the only thing I felt like on my list that I could let go of that was optional was our dog. And because I'm like, I don't have to own a dog, you know, I have to do all the other things. Right, right. I know you like, did you get rid of your dog or did you keep well, your dog? Well, we, we kept him. But when we moved into our new house last year, he didn't go with us. He, he, got adopted. he got adopted by a family that had a farm that was excited to take him. 
Oh, and that's hard. That is really hard. We did that with our dog when we moved into this house. Same thing. He went to a farm and it was so sad. And then two years later, we got another dog and now I'm back to being crazy again and thinking, <laughs> why did we do this? <laughs> and then she had 12 puppies and then life really got crazy. And that's Oh my goodness. It was so crazy, but Wow. You're a better um, woman than I am. I couldn't handle one. <laughs> it was, it was the, honestly, the craziest thing I, but I did, I quit everything. I quit. I, I teach voice. I'm like, I, I told all my students I'm taking two months off. The boys didn't do any extracurricular activities. It was right during COVID. So my husband happened to have been working from home. So it all worked out, but that's literally all we did all day. Every day is just raise these a dozen puppies. I felt we felt like 101 Dalmatians. It was just crazy. What a fun um, little chapter, though, for you. Oh and your my gosh, my boys are begging me to do it again. When can we have more? When can Honey have more puppies? I'm like, never. <laughs> Remember, I almost died. Like it was so hard. But they just saw like the fun and snuggling puppies after school, and it was so great for them. They learned. They they helped. They had to help. They each had jobs of cleaning out the poo and feeding them and taking Honey out and all the. I mean, there were so many so many things to do. Just the poo and pee alone was a full-time job managing that. All day long. Oh, I'm proud of you. Well done. Oh man. It was, it was really fun, but I don't know that we'll ever do it again. But I, I will say that you kind of learn what you're made of in situations where you're like, I have to care for these dogs or they'll die. Or I have, I'm laying in bed. My, my little boy comes up to me and he's like, mommy, I'm hungry. And I'm like, if I get up, I will probably pass out. I've been up all night working on something, but my child has to eat and I am the only one that can feed him. So you, I've, I, I've learned as a mother uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. Like you said that when you said, well, I want to quit and who do I quit to? You kind of learn what you're made of. Like, yes, it's exhausting and overwhelming and, and I cry a lot and I still cry a lot and it's hard, but you also, there's also something a little bit empowering, like I, I really, and not saying that, cause I know some women get so overwhelmed with that. You have to be it all and do it all and be super mom. And I'm not saying that you need to run faster than you have strength or do more than you feel capable of doing. But when you don't have a choice or, or, or when you are overwhelmed and you're like, but I have to do this, there's something really empowering about, I can do it. Like, look what I can do. Like, look what I've done. I can do it. And, and I think Satan tries to get us to be like, no way you're going to fail. You can't do it. You're, and, and it's a fine balance between knowing when to step back and when you're doing too much. But there's also, I think something to be said for, yeah, but with the Lord's help, like you said, finding those wrinkles in time and, and he does help us accomplish things that otherwise we think there's no way. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, and I think our ancestors help us. I think we, 100%. I think we do get help when we're on the right path. But, but yeah, like people sometimes have said, well, how do you do it all or whatever, especially when yeah. I have heavy callings. Like you said, you do what you have to do. Somehow yeah. you do it. Somehow, somehow you, do you do it. You know, yeah. somehow you keep kids alive and you keep yourself alive and you keep your business yeah. alive. <laughs> somehow yeah. you do it. And you also realize in, in those periods of time what things were not essential. Yes. Know? Yes. Uh, you do learn. Like I, I, I re as much as the laundry was bothering me it's been on the like a week it's been on the floor and I'm we're still just it's almost done now like I didn't feel like just it's it's almost been all dug through did that have to get full no it didn't you know but if I'm like we're doing this right now it's like well maybe I could have I could have left that and and played soccer with my boy like that really was but you think it is you think it is mm -hmm. a priority like but I'm overwhelmed when my house is messy yes but it do you really have to clean it nope maybe not yeah. so you do you do kind of learn 
you do kind of learn. And and last year was so strange with COVID and that race at the end of the year, which was kind of crazy, but also a cancer journey that I went through with thyroid cancer. And, and I, my life wasn't really on and I'm doing, I'm doing well, but you know, you hear that word and you, and you let yourself walk down that path of cancer. And what if I died and have I done what I wanted to do with my life? And what would my kids remember about me? And that puts things in perspective real quick, because you don't want your kids being like, she was always folding laundry. Like what, what good is that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, it it needs to be done and all of that, but you don't want that to be your legacy. You know, you, you want them to remember things, conversations that you had and memories that you made and things that you believed and valued and, you know, some of your accomplishments, yes, but like more about how you've made people feel, I think is really yes. what you want to have, have, a, have done when absolutely. So yes, that kind of set things in perspective too. And, and, and it made things that like just sitting there talking to your family, you know, might not seem like, oh, this, is, this was on my to-do list today kind of a thing, but that was the kind of stuff I wanted to do and wanted to do more of during that time and ever since that time is just realizing that is the stuff life's made of, you know, we bought a hot tub during COVID. I know a lot of people put in pools and we looked at that and that was like, so yeah. So we got a hot tub and honestly sitting there, the, the benefit is that we sit in there and talk without our phones. Yeah. My teenagers will talk to me and, um, and we have great conversations and that's, that's who I want to be and what I want to leave them with is those kinds of memories and not me scurrying around, you know? Right. Yes, completely. Well, I would love to ask you, um, two things as, as, as we wind up this podcast and thank you again so much for taking the time to talk with me today, but, but I would love to ask you, first of all, and I guess they kind of go hand in hand, but what, what is your legacy? What do you want your kids to remember? What good, all the good that you have done, what, what do you want them to remember about, about what mom did, about the good that she did? And do you feel like with your job, you talked about how, um, you felt like heavenly father led you along for people that are out there listening to you and thinking, well, maybe I want to do something like that. Or how can I get more involved in the community? Or how can I start a business? But maybe it's not what I'm supposed to do. I've heard that a lot. Like, what if it's not right? What if it's not what I'm meant to do? Do you feel like we truly are meant to do some things? Or do you feel like Heavenly Father gets on board with what we want to do and then helps us accomplish and lets us decide? Mm. Those are two very, very good questions. Uh, so the first one, what do I want my legacy to be or what do I feel like it is? Um, I hope my kids see me as someone who was was not dull. That I, I you know, I, I tried hard things. I did hard things. I started a business as a young person. I had five kids, you know, when it might seem unlikely for a busy person to do that and and led the young women. And, you know, I, I, I think and hope that they would look at me and go, she felt like anything was possible. And she, she just kept moving and kept, kept doing that. I think they would also say, I think they would all know my favorite scripture. It's hanging in our garage and it's God has not ceased to be a God of miracles. It's Mormon 915. I, I do believe in miracles and I believe in the impossible and I believe in God. And, and so I think faith gets us a long ways 
because with us plus God and with, with faith in that relationship, we can do a lot with yeah. our lives, with our testimonies, with our family and our relationships, yeah. with some of our talents and perhaps career for, for, for some people. I'm, I don't want it to come across that I think everyone needs to do that. Yeah, um, to have a career. But I do think that for some people and like for you with your music and your accomplishments, that is part of who you are. And that's part of your your mission. And it would be a shame if you hadn't developed that and, and used that as a way of influencing others. And so that's how I feel about my writing and my entrepreneurship. And, and for other people that are are trying to decide what to do and they want to know if it's right. I do think there are times God really does care. And there have been times like that Elder Hall and Mormon message where I've headed down a path that ended up being a dead end. Yes. And you're like, okay, well, I'm not sure why I felt like I should do that, but, but now, you know, now, yeah. you know, to that the other path is the correct path. I think that happens to us. I think God really does care about specific things. I felt like he cared about me starting a business. I felt like that was something that he, he did care about and did give me a, a yes answer on. But there are other things that I I feel like it's more of, well, just make good choices, take take steps in the right direction. <laughs> you know, I don't think God gives us the answer to every every little thing. But I do feel that we should always like Alma 3737 counsel with the Lord and all by doing is like talk to him every day, both in gratitude and also just processing your decisions and the crossroads you're at. I think he does want to hear all of that. He might not give you a perfect ABC plus D, you know, answer or equation yeah. for your life. But I think it's never wrong to communicate with him. And then I think just along the way, as you're going down your path, really listen to your soul and, and the people around you, like be aware of what's happening. And that will tell you if you're on the right path or not. Yeah. I mean, it will, if, if you're feeling peace and excitement yeah. and joy, do more of that. If yes. you're feeling like this is too heavy, this is disjointed, this isn't fitting, then then pause, you know, to just pause for a minute and and reevaluate or maybe the timing's not right. So yep. those are some of my thoughts on that. But honestly, I think one of the cool things about life and, and particularly about being a woman, if I'm going to be honest, is that we get to talk, we, we have so many decisions. Like, yep. you know, for, for a, a man in our faith, it's like a mission is is the is the path. Yes. Working your whole life is a path. Yes. <laughs> and, for, and for women, you know, the mission is more of a decision. So that's something to really go to God with and wrestle with. And then childbearing and career, yes or no, and yes or no again, that throughout your life. I think that keeps us close to God. We, we always need him. We always need that guidance. It's not this set path for us. And I think that's a really cool gift that we have. I do too. It's liberating. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and I love what you said that yes and no, or yes and no again, that just because something is a no now, maybe in 10 years, it's a yes. And maybe that's when it works out. Timing plays just as important a role in our decisions as, as opportunity as anything else. And, and I, I'm so glad that you said that because sometimes there are seasons of life where we can do things now that we couldn't do later, or we'll be able to do things later that are just impossible to do now. And that is kind of the beauty. And I've often said, like, people have said the same thing, like, how do you do everything? I'm like, Oh, I'm so grateful. I have a husband that works and that can do it. And then I can just decide I can, if I want to work, I can, but I don't have to, cause he is. And you know, if I want to do music stuff, I can, but you know, I don't have to. And and, it, and if you, we look at it as a blessing instead of, oh, we have to be homemakers or we have to do this. And because honestly, there's 
there's really no other place I'd ra- I'd rather be. And I know, like you talked about those sweet little years of holding your babies and nursing them, like how precious that you you were the one that got to do that. You were the one that got to hold them and be with them all the time. There's there's certain things that only only a woman can do, only a mother can do. And I'm I'm so grateful, Jeanette, that you've taken the time to come on this podcast. You are such a light in the community. You are such a great example. So inspiring. Thank you for all the good you're doing. Oh, thank you, Carmen. I've had a blast just chatting with you today. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.